Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast. I am your host, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Ma. And in this episode, we are going to talk about the Apache Log4j vulnerability and take a look at the top cyber incidents of 2021. So I want to thank you for tuning in to uh, the Cyber Guy Podcast and for perhaps watching it on YouTube. I am doing these now on video as well and putting them on YouTube as just as an alternate alternative viewing option or listening option, if you will. Uh, for this particular episode, I had some issues in the sense that I had a interview lined up, but the, the gentleman I was going to speak to, hopefully I'll speak to him next week, um, got sick. Uh, and so he was afraid his voice was going to go out. So he is not here to join me for this podcast. So it's just going to be me for this episode. I had another friend who's a recently retired FBI agent, and I was going to talk to him about uh, his career in the Bureau, some of the cases he worked, his move to crimes against children, uh, but his current job required him to uh, get permission. So he's got a form he's got to fill out. He said it may take him a little while. So hopefully we'll have him on in the near future. So I figured most podcasts like this are going to do end of the year reviews of different cyber incidents and things like that. So I figured, why not? I might as well do the same thing here. So we're going to take a look at some of those incidents. But before I get to those, I want to talk about probably what is the largest um, cyber incident of the year and something that will have enduring impact as we go forward throughout the year. And that is the Apache Log4j uh, vulnerability. And so I'm reading this from, I, I, there's a lot of articles. If if you want more depth on this particular vulnerability, the, the, the bad things can, that can happen with it, just type in log4j and you will find the news report upon news report. If you don't really want to go that depth, you can just listen to what I'm going to do here. That this is a Gizmodo article that kind of lays it out for, for most of the folks that would listen to this podcast. Because again, this is not for the technically oriented. In other words, if you are really big into cybersecurity, you're real technically oriented, you're not going to get a lot of technical stuff out of this podcast. What you're going to get is practical uh, information as to different incidents, the threats, what it looks like, what it means for you individually as perhaps a home user or for as perhaps a small business owner. So hopefully that's the value I bring here. I'll be honest, I am not a big technical guy. If I could go back to college with all my college roommates and do computer science and learn about coding, certainly would do that. But I think at the end of the day, I made a good choice going to the FBI and looking at the cyber threats from a different perspective. And so hopefully that's what we're, we're doing here. So I'm going to talk about the Apache Log4j vulnerability uh, first here. And so from this Gizmodo article, this is Sean Gallup. Uh, actually, the, the photo is Sean Gallup. Lucas Ropek is the writer. Um, so, it, so he starts off, well, it's certainly been a year for cyber debacles. So sure, why not tie things off with a nice fat security vulnerability that affects almost everything on the internet? That sounds about right. So if that doesn't send a chill down your spine. I'm really not sure what does. So that is, uh, that's probably doesn't lead to good things here. So in short, the Apache log4j bug is bad. And he italicizes the word bad. According to Jen Esterly, the director of America's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is a short-term CISA, it's a, it's a Department of Homeland Security entity. Um, it's one of the most serious that she's seen in her entire career. In recent media appearance, Esterly told reporters that federal officials fully expect the vulnerability to be widely exploited by sophisticated actors and her colleague Jay Gasly of CISA's Vulnerability Management Office helpfully revealed what the bug likely affects, uh, helpfully re uh, revealed that the bug likely affects hundreds of millions of devices. 
So you're probably wondering yourself, what's it mean to me? I am sitting at home with my computer. I've got my iPhone here and listening to this podcast. What does this mean to me exactly? Well, the good thing is, while everyday users can't do much about the whole situation, it might be helpful to know what's going on. So here's a quick rundown on all the horribleness. And so I'm going to read what he has written and then give you some more insights from some folks I talked to. But so the affected program Apache's Log4j is a free open source logging library that droves of company use. Logging libraries are implemented by engineers to record how programs run. They look for code uh, auditing and are routine mechanisms to investigate bugs and other functionality issues. Since Log4j is free and widely trusted, companies large and small have been employing it for all kinds of stuff. The irony of course, is that the bug checking tool now has a bug, which uh, that is certainly ironic. Now, this shows the risk to open source tools. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about open source tools. Linux is an open source operating system. You can download tons of flavors of Linux. They are very useful. There's a lot of open source stuff out there. and It's all very useful. But herein lies the problem with the open source, open source community is that code is open for everyone to look at. And eventually, they're going to find vulnerabilities because all software is written without one thing, and that is security in mind. So you are never going to have software that is 100% secure in the sense that it will never be compromised. Now, there certainly are software packages that will never be compromised because they're unique, they're small, they're, they're specific to a certain industry that bad guys don't see a value in compromising. I mean, there's so many different lines of code for so many different pieces of software. You're not necessarily going to find vulnerabilities in all of them. But for things like this that almost everyone uses, and when I say everyone, I mean um, manufacturers um, and big companies and companies that are serving out services to the internet. This is a file or a library within an open source code that obviously is going to have a huge impact on a lot of different people. So security researchers, back to the article, have taken to calling the vulnerability log4 shell since proper exploitation can result in shell access, also known as remote code access, to a server system. So at the end of the day, who's impacted by this? Who needs to worry about it? Well, any pretty much everybody needs to worry about it in the sense that it can impact you somehow. Uh, it can certainly deal with, it's going to allow bad guys into networks that they didn't current didn't necessarily have access to in the past. But if you're sitting at home, do you as an end user need to worry necessarily about this? Not from the sense that you have to fix anything on your computer, unless you are running your own form of server of something. So one of the big news areas I've seen on this is it impacts Minecraft. So if you are a parent, you know what Minecraft is probably. It's an online game that has millions and millions, probably at this point billions of users, uh, and they all can now play with each other through these Minecraft servers. These Minecraft servers are using a backend of Apache server software that uses this particular library, the Log4j, and it is now vulnerable. So essentially, uh, actors can induce code into these, into this these these software pieces that can redirect them to other sites that then can download malware. So let's say you're playing Minecraft on your computer. Theoretically, um, you could go to log in to a Minecraft server that you're using. If that particular server has been compromised, a bad guy can put code on there that when you put in information or what have you, it sends out a request that sends malware to your system as a very generalized look at that. So for all my tech friends who are listening to this saying, what the hell is he talking about? He's not right. I know I'm, I'm mangling how I'm explaining this, but essentially 
Anything that is a server that provides a service to another computer that has this vulnerability has the potential for malware to be sent to the end user requesting server access. And I say server, I mean some kind of service access to um, any platform that has this vulnerability. That's a long way to say you probably don't have to worry about it at home in the sense of patching anything on your home computer unless you're running a server. But you do have to worry about places you log into or go to serving you up malware because they're compromised on their end. So that's from a personal perspective. From a business perspective, if you're a small business, your issue is if you serve anything out to the internet, your web page, your web, your, your main web page for your company, your email server, all have the risk of being compromised by this particular vulnerability. So how do you fix it? Well, you patch it. So ideally, uh, Apache has, well, I, I do know Apache has a patch for this. Like apparently the first patch had its own set of issues and they have a second patch out, but you kind of have to manually do it. Will you automatic, will it automatically update this file? I don't believe it does. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. In the YouTube channel, you can certainly make a comment that it does correct it because by the time you listen to this, maybe this has all been solved. But as I'm writing this, um, I talked to a friend of mine uh, who's a forensics guy who, who's very technical. So hats tip to, to Bo Sams for giving me some information on this. And I'm going to show some information from, a, uh, from another website here in a second that shows all of the different services impacted by this vulnerability. So you can see if you know, it's something your company uses um, or if it's something you go to, things like that. There's a lot of companies impacted by this. And if you're a small, small, small company, with limited IT staff, chances are you've offloaded a lot of your services to a managed service provider. Now, if they're a small managed service provider, then they have the issue of having to deal with how is this vulnerability impacting them. So if you're a small business owner, what I would recommend to you is contact your MSP for any server application you are providing out to the internet. Anything touching the internet, serving out a service, providing whatever, email, web server, game services, make sure or contact them to see if they have patched this vulnerability. Otherwise, your information <clears throat> could be at risk simply because the ma managed service provider you're using doesn't ha hasn't patched this particular vulnerability. Now, has everyone who has this vulnerability or who runs services that has this vulnerability, are they aware of it? I'm going to say they are not, simply because not everyone follows the news quickly. Now, ideally, if they're in IT, if you're in cybersecurity, you know about this. This is not a big surprise. But if you're a small company with a limited IT staff and no cybersecurity staff, how much time do you have to research all of these things and figure out how to fix it? So um, my dog in the background is barking hello to you, so that there is that. All right, so this is another page that shows um, impacted services. This is on GitHub. It's github.com slash ncsc-nl. You probably can't see it. If you're on YouTube, you can't see it. If you're on, on the podcast, you certainly can't see it. So I will post a link, this particular link, in both the podcast notes and on, you, on the YouTube notes. But this shows the different software impacted by this vulnerability. So I'm just going to kind of scroll down and find some that most folks may recognize. Um, so Acme is a, is a common um, application that a lot of computers have just as a, as a, as a background service. Um, so we have that. Amazon obviously has issues. This is going to be not this is going to be Amazon's server application. So um, does it mean you should be uh, you should be concerned if you go to Amazon? I would say probably not. Chances are Amazon has a big enough cybersecurity staff that they've solved this problem or at least patched it to the point that it's not a big issue. But I mean, it just goes to show the complexity of this problem. So you have Amazon. These are just the A's. 
Let's see if I can, and this is a very long list, see if I can go down. So there's um, BMC Software. BMC does some some ticketing for for products like Remedy, things like that. Uh, that's be So Broadcom are, so there's a lot of, when I was looking through this, there are a lot of router and modem providers on here that issue this. I know I know I've read somewhere that a lot of Internet of Things devices are being targeted um, by this, by bad guys already, because Internet of Things devices are certainly insecure. So Checkpoint is there, Carbon Black, uh, a cybersecurity company. They are they are impacted by this. Cisco, there's a lot of Cisco here. I could, Cisco's going to scroll here for this for quite a while. Um, so you got Cisco, Minecraft, I mentioned Dell. So if you have a Dell server, then you need to update this vulnerability um, because it's certainly got, it's there's going to be embedded issues there in the software that comes with that server stuff. So again, here's the, I mean, I could scroll through all this HPE, Hewlett Packard obviously has issue, uh, has the, has the vulnerability. It's not, again, this is none of this is Hewlett Packard's fault. It's not Dell's fault. It's not Amazon's fault. It is Apache's problem used because it is their little logging software that found the vulnerability. Now, do you, can you blame Apache? What are you going to do? I mean, no one, this is this this particular um, library has been out for a long time. They are just now finding the vulnerability to it. There's a lot of different libraries like this that chances are, as we go forward, we will see similar issues. Now, I mean, this again, this is a huge list of things. Micro, there's Microsoft in there as well, right there. So the point being, this is a problem that's going to be with us for a while. It's kind of, this is, this is the COVID-19 of software um, vulnerabilities because it's impacting a lot of different companies um, and it's going to be around for quite a while. You will see this issue being dealt with into 2022 for, for quite some time. Probably at the end of the day, this is probably the number one cyber incident of the year. And and to date, as I'm recording this, I'm not aware of any company or any entity has been compromised through this vulnerability. There probably are. They just hasn't been reported yet. But um, certainly a problem that is going to persist going forward. So that is the that is the log4j in vulnerability information in a very quick nutshell. I know that was kind of quick. Um, there's probably more technical podcasts you can find that'll go into more depth on that. But I just kind of wanted to touch on this. Because um, if you're an end user, you're probably wondering, how does this impact me? And like I said, unless you are serving out something, if, you use, if you're hosting a Minecraft server, um, because your your kid is, that's certainly a potential risk. But for most end users, not a big deal that you have to do anything with your home computers or anything like that. Um, but just be aware um, of the, the potential for, for, for risks and threats of this going forward. So let's take a look or let's talk real quick about the top, what I think, were the top incidents, cyber incidents for 2021. This is not a deeply involved list. I did not spend a whole lot of time researching all of the different cyber incidents per year. These are just kind of the, the highlighted ones. And I'm going to give a kind of a law enforcement perspective and a threat perspective on what they mean as we go forward, what we've learned from that, um, and provide some comments. Again, I had I had interviews lined up, but they had to back out. So we're doing this kind of quickie podcast. This will be a kind of a shorter podcast than usual. Um, we're here for a good time, not a long time. I'm stealing that from one of the podcasts I listen to in the morning. But so the top, you know, the, so the top incidents, cyber incidents for 2021, uh, although it occurred in largely in 2020, I'm going to say solar winds is right in the top five, simply because of the depth of impact that particular cyber incident had. If you remember, SolarWinds is a, um, it's a cybersecurity company that provides um, 
information to companies for them to understand their network, to understand what's on their network. Uh, and so they had a server that had a bad password that allowed a bad guy to get in who then was able to infiltrate their updating system that pushed out malware to their clients. I believe there were 18,000 companies impacted at the end of the day. Um, and it just goes to show how easy it is for bad guys, be it cyber criminals, be it nation state actors, or ultimately really cyber terrorists at the end of the day, to use simple mistakes made by companies and, and individuals to get access into networks where they shouldn't necessarily have, have, have access. So SolarWinds, obviously one of the top ones. Another big one that impacted people beyond just the cyber realm that was obviously Colonial Pipeline. Uh, if you remember, if you lived on the East Coast, this was a big thing because it was hard to find gas in some places. I know that I had a lot of gas stations around here in, in Alabama that that uh, you had to really time out when you were going to look for your to fill up your car, or your truck, because the gas stations just were short of gas. Now, it wasn't a huge problem like the gas lines in the 70s. But again, this was a bad, a bad VPN setting. They had an old VPN that they hadn't um, gotten rid of or had a bad at easy access so a bad guy got in there attached i believe it was ransomware i'm pretty sure i know it was ransomware to their financial system network and what colonial pipeline did out of abundance of caution was not only shut down that network but shut down their production network because there is within critical national infrastructure like the power um, industry the oil industry you have what are called operational technology networks. And these are going to be your pumps, your valves, all those things that water treatment plants have that obviously pipelines have that are run or managed by access to informational technology networks. So the valves and pumps have con con internet connections that obviously pose a risk. And so when Colonial Pipeline's financial uh, section was hit. They closed down the operational section as well, just out of abundance of caution, which caused the the back of the issue and the and the backup of oil and gas and all of that stuff. The, the nice thing about or the, the positive uh, reporting out of the Colonial Pipeline attack is that the so Colonial Pipeline paid the ransom to get access back to their network, um, but then the FBI was able to seize a lot of that money back from the ransomware group, which was Dark Side was Dark Side. Darkside was the group that created the ransomware that hit Colonial Pipeline. Darkside did not attack Colonial Pipeline. It was um, a group that bought or, or leased the Darkside ransomware um, to use it for themselves. So, then, so through an investigation, thumbs up to the FBI, they were able to get access to information that allowed them to pull back some of the Bitcoin money that was used to pay to solve the, the Colonial Pipeline ransomware. So a kind of positive end to that story. You know, the, and, and one of the problems really with SolarWinds and Colonial Pipeline to this day at the end of the year is we still really don't have a very good postmortem of what happened in both. We kind of have some bits and pieces of kind of how stuff happened, but the specifics are really not out there. Now, I was under the impression that the new president, the new Biden administration had created an executive order that created a cybersecurity safety review board. I'm sure that's not the exact name, but it's something like that. That's supposed to go in like the NTSB and look at all of these incidents and do, do a report of what happened. Have yet to see any of that. That'd be great if that existed. If I was king for a day, that would be one of the things I would create and mandate is for, for incidents like that, 
is to, especially everybody knows it. Everybody knows solar winds happened. Everybody knows Colonial Pipeline happened. So it's really not a big deal for those companies that they already know they've been hit to give more information to the extent of that vulnerability. Now, you don't want to give up information that allows other bad guys to find other vulnerabilities in your network, but the general, you can redact some of that stuff and still make it valuable to everybody else trying to protect themselves from a similar type of attack. So that was a big one. Another one, Kaseya. Kaseya is a managed service provider type uh, uh, entity. Uh, and they were compromised. And so through the connections they had with their customers, the bad guys were able to use the compromise into Kaseya to send out malware or ransomware to their clients. And so the clients that got hit with ransomware didn't really do anything wrong other than trust Kaseya to keep their security up to date. Uh, and so they got hit with ransomware. And again, I go back to how they get into Kaseya. How did the ransomware get pushed down? And maybe these things exist. And if you're listening to this and you know how all this happened, let me know. I'll be happy to come back and say, hey, now I, there was this report. I must have missed it. Um, yet I would think that if, if, if a postmortem on any of these incidents came out as to what exactly happened, we would likely know about it. And I'm not aware of any of it. So, so there is that unfortunate, uh, unfortunate tagging of that. So Kaseya was a big one. We talked about that on the podcast when it occurred. Um, again, it shows, you know, a lot of companies, especially small companies, go to managed service providers to help them with their cybersecurity, to do, to provide them cybersecurity services, to offload some of the responsibility, some of the risk to a company that's supposed to provide them with what they think is security. So it shows that even when you're going to use a managed service provider or a third-party client, that you need to do some due diligence and check with them to see you know, what are they, how is their security set up? What are they doing? Um, you know, things like that. So another, and there weren't a lot, there were, these were separate incidents, but I'm blocking them into one. Social media giants were attacked writ large during 2021. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn all had data breaches where client, or not client, where user information was exposed. Some of them were older, older, um, intrusions that just the information was just coming out. But, you know, you would like to think, honestly, that some of these larger social media companies, specifically those three, Facebook, Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn would have good cybersecurity, but they got compromised somehow. Now, in some of those cases, it was a third party group that was storing their information that got compromised, but it still goes to show, even if you offload your risk to a third party company, then, you know, you're, you know, you, you are not necessarily guaranteeing that your information will not be stolen. Um, so JBS Foods, uh, when we, we talk about inflation currently, JBS Foods was is a meatpacking company. They got hit with ransomware. Um, and so uh, do, can we account for the, cost, the increased cost of meat from the JBS hack? Uh, probably not. It happened earlier this year, but certainly didn't, didn't help matters nonetheless. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Cyber Guy podcast. Like I said, this is going to be a short one. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And because I had to quickly readjust when my um, interviewees suddenly had to back out. So I, I put this together rather quickly, as you can probably tell listening or watching. This was a pretty quickly put together podcast. But I wanted to get something out for the weekend. Obviously, the Log4j 
um, incident needed to be discussed. So I thank you for listening. Please check out my other podcast, Cyber Smart. It's right here. That's the name of it. Uh, it's called Get Cyber Smart. This week we talk about um, computers as targets which is kind of like what we talked about right here. Uh, but feel free to, if you have non-technical friends, let them know, push them toward the Cyber Smart Podcast because if you get a little cyber smart, you get a whole lot cyber safer. Know that knowledge is protection. Understand the threats that are targeting you. Assess your risk. Proceed wisely. If you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, feel free to email me, darren at thecyberguy.com. I do respond to any email I get, and I greatly appreciate you taking the time to listen. Have a good week.